Glad you're here for Football Sunday, Football Sunday. So this is uh, the day of the year as the football season gets ready to kick off. And we just say, hey, wear your favorite jersey. And as you can see, we have a lot of disunity in the house. There's all sorts of people that uh, are posing as volunteers, you know, Tennessee volunteers, uh, Oklahoma Sooners, I mean Sooners, um, Auburn Tigers and Alabama. And, and, uh, and so I just want you to know you cannot judge a book by its cover. Um, I'm wearing this jersey because I don't want to be stoned, but actually down underneath, come on, is a, is a team that um, one day will be reckoned with. Come on, somebody. Not yet, but it's worth, they're working on it. They're working on it. Come on, there's prayer, there's hope for everybody. We're glad you're here. Um, this one, I'm just going to wear this out. Is that okay? Is that Melissa? Is that you okay with that? Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> Sometimes you got to give permission, right? So, hey, listen, this past week has been a great week of uh, just kind of great outreaches going on. I want to show you uh, what we did Monday. We were, um, the teachers are coming back to school, getting everything ready. We, as a church, Summit wanted to show them um, how much we appreciated them. So we picked a fully, uh, kind of a, a middle elementary school, one of the newer schools in town. I just want to show you a few pictures of what took place. We just fed them breakfast and had a great, the Summit girls showed up and all of their incredible garb. And we just uh, had some great time with them and loved on the teachers, and we just want to say thank you, Summit, for loving on our, our community. And then, of course, the kids um, went back to school this week, and all the parents said amen. And, uh, and so proud of our young people, man. Come on, can you give it up for our young people in the house? We love you all. A lot of them right here across the around the room. Love you guys. Man, we really do. Peyton, happy birthday, buddy. And uh, listen, um, we just want you to see what they were doing. Uh, one of the schools here, Foley High School, let's show some pictures of what they were. They were out there as kids were coming in uh, with little, with little um, uh, lacquers there. One prayer. Come on, somebody. I don't know. She's sticking her tongue out. I don't know what I'm saying about that. But uh, free... <laughs> <laughs> free snacks, some of youth, come on. It's just, I'm just so proud of our young people and um, their heart just to serve and give to the community. And we're just really blessed to be a part of um, our young people like that. So keep them in prayer. They need prayer during the school season. They really do. I just want to encourage you, um, the night the lights went out in Georgia, uh, the, I want to encourage you, uh, 6 o'clock Monday through Friday, we have early morning prayer here. We've been doing, uh, we've entered last week into 21 days of prayer, just kind of getting our hearts reset before the new school season, everything launches out, and just kind of getting refocused. So we're meeting in here every morning at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you. We just put some music on, we just pray, and we come together at the end. And then again on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. So prayer, 6 o'clock to 7, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock on Saturdays, I think you thoroughly would enjoy that. And also, a plug, a week from tonight, a week from the, not tonight, but a week from tonight, we're going to have a night of worship right here in the house. And just to kind of really, just really encourage ourselves, I love those times. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, just one other thing, don't forget to check out our small group tables on your way out. We've got them all lined out. We have 32, I believe, small groups uh, lined up for this 
coming, coming fall season, last many of them about 13 weeks. But uh, you want to check that out. You need to get into one. We'll talk about that perhaps a little bit later. But until then, let me just welcome everybody uh, watching online. Thank you for coming online, watching us. And we also want to give a big old hand of appreciation to those watching from the county jail. Can we do that? We appreciate our guys watching from the county jail. Love you all. Ladies and men, bless you all. Pray for you. So there's a Catholic, four Catholic ladies were getting together and they were having lunch and they just started bragging about their sons because all of them were in ministry. And one lady said, you know, my son is a priest and I just want you to know whenever he walks in the room, everyone calls him my father. And the, the other lady said, well, that's, that's no really big deal. My, my son is a bishop and whenever he walks in the room, they call him your grace. And the other lady said, well, that, you know, that's, that's good and everything, but my son is a cardinal. And when he walks into the room, they call him your eminence. And the fourth lady said, well, my son is six foot four, 230 pounds, broad shoulders, tan. And when he walks into the room, all the girls say, oh my God. <laughs> uh. So here's a question for you. Have you ever done something with others that really challenged you and to really just dig down deep and to fulfill what you believe God's purpose and plan was for your life? Have you ever connected with a group of people perhaps that challenged you and, and, and assisted you to, to grow spiritually? You just kind of got around them and, and you thought, man, I, I got to step up my game a little bit. I got I to gotta do more. I mean, I, I, got, I just got I just gotta do more. I, I've had those moments. I've been with people and been in situations where I just felt like, man, I just need to step up my game. And I like being in those situations. I think those are healthy places to be. I think we need to intentionally find those groups of people or, or situations to put ourselves in. And so today I have a goal, and my goal is that you will understand how to grow in your faith. Here at Summit, we have an intentional way that we believe you can grow in your faith. We don't believe it's just left up to you, try to figure it out. Well, now that you know Jesus, I hope you can, you know, figure it out. You know, no, we, we want to help you, and we believe we can do that. So I just want to, first of all, say this as a disclaimer. We're in a series called Boot Up. I'm just taking a little break, and then we'll finish it up next week. And, but today, we're going to talk about teamwork. We're going to talk about teamwork since it is Football Sunday. There's a saying you may have heard. We use it around here from time to time. It says this, teamwork makes the dream work. For those of you who have some little bulletin inserts, you can write that down. Teamwork makes what? The dream work. I, do, I believe that nothing impactful in the world has ever happened or probably will happen majority of the time without the context of being on a team. Columbus crossed the Atlantic and he had a team. The astronauts went to the moon, and that was a great thing, but they had a team. Martin Luther King Jr. did wonderful things, turning our civil rights agenda around on his ear, but he had a team. Thomas Edison made some incredible inventions, but he had a and Henry Ford did some incredible things with the automobiles, pumping them out by the thousands, but he had a 
and signers of the Declaration, wonderful men, put our um, country in order. And they did it as a So why do I need a team? You need a team because you don't have the capacity to make the impact that you can make on your own. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough talent. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough creativity. You don't have enough ability. What you need is to plug yourself into a what? A team, and as a team, things begin to happen that could have never happened on your own. And you get to celebrate that together. Because when people come together and begin to move in one direction together, opportunities are limitless. God himself even understands the power of a team. The Bible actually tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 11 that there was a the group of people early in civilization that got together and said, you know, we need to come together and we need to build a tower up into the heavenlies and we need to unite ourselves uh, and we need to make ourselves great and get together behind one agenda. And, 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 but the problem was, that was their deal. They wanted to make a name for themselves. Well, God doesn't have a problem with you coming together, but he does have a problem if you're coming together to make a name for yourself. It's not about you. It's never been about you, and it won't ever be about you. It's about him. And when God saw that they were coming together, but not to be about him, but to be about themselves, God says, oh, no, 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 this isn't going to work. But this is the comment that he made. He looked down and he says, the Lord came down and says, if as one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then God says, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. God himself recognized the power of a team. And he said, if, if people come together and they either unite behind each other, nothing will be impossible. So God had to scatter the situation because it wasn't going to give good fruit. And, but when he comes together in situations like this and in the body of Christ, and he, he longs to see unity because he knows in his heart nothing's impossible if we're moving in the right direction, doing the right thing. Teamwork is throughout the Bible. God himself was a team player. God in his very nature decided not to be God, just God, but as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God moves even as a team in his own personhood. Jesus worked with a team, 12 disciples, like the, like the show just showed us, 12 disciples, all about him coming together. And he could have done all these wonderful things on his own. But no, he wanted to work in a context of a team. The early church worked in a context of a team. Paul had like about eight major team players that really followed him around and worked with him and worked around him. David had a team. He had what he called the mighty men. And scripture describes 37 different men that were right close to him. And, and David and his mighty men accomplished great exploits. Abraham had a team. They were not just employees of his, but they were also warriors. And when it came time for there to be some battles going on, the, the employees turned into warriors. The, the farmer, the seed sower, the cook turned into warriors. And they went and did 
Great exploits. And even Nehemiah showed us the power of a team when families and people come together and they can build a wall around a city to protect themselves in a matter of just a few short weeks. And so we see throughout the Bible, everything points to the power of a team. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need to be on a team. Will you tell him that for me this morning? Come on. You need to be on a team. Here's the good thing about God's team is everybody makes the team. Come on, that's good news for me. I like that. I remember in seventh grade trying out for the boys' basketball team. And it was in the sixth grade that all the, my, 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 my friends started growing, but I stopped growing for some reason. And, and, and Bill Smith took off like giant, like a you know, jack of the beanstalk. And, and we, I, tried out for, I tried out for the basketball team, and, but I was so sure of it. Anyway, we had tryouts, and I remember they, they said after fifth period, hey, the coach posted who made the team. It's on the door of the gym. And as soon as fifth period was over, we ran as fast as you could run. I mean, like knocking people over just to get to the gym door to see who won, who made the team. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I'm thinking, he made a mistake. He missed the most important guy. I was so dejected. Went home that night. I didn't make the team. Went eighth grade, tried out again, didn't make the team. I'm like, whoa, this is terrible. That feeling of not making the team. My wife never had that problem. She's a Athlete of all athletes. In fact, when we got married, this is a funny story. When we got married, <laughs> I have one trophy that I had gotten when I was in, when I was nine years old. We won second place in the in the county of Denver, Colorado, and, and base, our baseball team did. I was shortstop, and I, I was the leadoff hitter. And I I, lo- I was I so valued my my trophies about that high as a baseball player like this in Jefferson County, second place. And I just loved. I carried it everywhere. I took it everywhere. It's always on my mantle. We get married, and uh, her mom says, "Hey, you need to come over and get some of your stuff, Melissa." And so we go over to her house, and she's like got these two honking like boxes this tall and with trophies coming out of them. I mean, they're, they're so tall, the trophies are coming out of the box. The box is this tall, trophies coming out. And she got two honking boxes of nothing but trophies. And I'm over here with my little... <laughs> I said, uh, I was so humiliated. I said, uh, what you going to do with all these trophies? Because I'm thinking, we don't have enough... We don't have enough house for all her trophies. And I know how I feel about mine. She goes, oh, just throw them away. I said, what? Throw them away, don't mean nothing. Yes, they do. I'll just take them home and take them, I'll rip off the little label and put my name on it. I mean, they mean a lot. What are you talking about? In the Bible, I find this passage, I love this passage about really what a dream team looks like. Because I believe God's fashioning a dream team here at Summit. And I, I like the word dream team. I, I think that's just an incredible, incredible term. And I, I want us to begin to consider ourselves as a dream team. So here's, here's a story about what a dream team looked like. It's, it's actually found in um, the book of Judges about a guy named Gideon. You're familiar with Gideon. 
And, and I'm just going to walk us through for just a few moments about this story because he, he's, he's going to fight the Midianites. The Gideon had come up from nothing. He's be, God called him. You know, and, and so, so he's now gathered the people and said, we've got to fight the Midianites. They've invaded our land. We've we got to stand. So, so that all the people show up. And, and, and so, so they're there and, and, and they're ready to get going. And, and God speaks to Gideon and says, hey, hey, hey champ, listen, appreciate the enthusiasm. We've got a problem. What's the problem, God? Well, the problem is, I, I can't deliver Midian into your hands. God, why? God says, because you got too many soldiers. What? Have you ever heard of anyone going, hey, excuse me, your army's too big. You know, you got, y'all go home. No, God says, no, you got too many. Well, is it, that's not a problem. That's actually a good thing, right, God. No, it's not a good thing. Why is it not a good thing? Because if you win the battle, what you'll begin to think is that you won the battle. I can't afford that. That's not what we want. I can't allow that to happen because it's not about you. It's about me. So we're going to have to do something. He goes, well, what do we need to do? He says, you tell them that if anyone is trembling and is fearful and wants to go home, that they can go home. No fines, no penalties, no AWOL designations, just go home. And so he says, uh, hey, y'all. Um, God said, y'all, if you want to go home and you're kind of scared, that you can go. Oh, that's a trick. This is a trick. He's trying to trick us. Uh, no, no trick. No fines, no penalties, no nothing. Wasn't my idea. You can go home. You mean we don't have to fight? We don't have to do this? No. Well, I'm out. And, and the Bible says, what is this? It says, says 22,000 men turned around and walked off. 22. He's left with 10,000 now. He had 32,000. Good number. Now he's got 10. Not as good as 32. He's like, oh my. Oh my goodness, oh my. And then God says, hey champ, well yeah, you still got too many. Wait, this, God, you don't know how to fight battles. Obviously, this is not the way you do this. No, you got too many. You're still going to get glory if you win. What do you want me to do? I want you to take him down to the river and then I want you to walk him through a process and then the ones that I tell you to separate from the others, that's what you get. So he did, walked him through this process, we'll talk about it in a minute. And when it was all done, he was down to 300. And God's smiling from the heavenlies going, yeah, that's what we're going to work with right there, 300. God loves to be an underdog, come on. I mean, in your perspective, he's an underdog. But in his perspective, he's not an underdog at all. So let me give you a dream team, what a dream team looks like. Number one, dream team, they're humble. They're humble. God reduces the number of men so that they would not think that they were the reason that they won. That God uses a church that doesn't think it's all about you, but believes it's really all about others and what he wants to do in the world. Humility is the most important part of a team. Ask any coach. You know, coach, hey, you could be the greatest player in the world, but buddy, if you got an ego, hit the door. I, I can't use you. 
It's not about you patting your statistics and you getting all the points and you getting all the fame. Man, no, a person that's a team player has no concern about personal gain or his statistics. And he's quick to point out the accomplishments of others. On the basketball team, he's the person that makes the assist, that loves to pass the ball so the other person can make the shot. It's the, it's the person who emphasizes team, not me. Because success really is when we win, not when I win. I was watching, you know, um, the, remember uh, the greatest miracle on ice? Remember that? The, the greatest, if some of the older folks here would know the greatest miracle on ice. Some of you younger folks have no idea what I'm talking about. The greatest miracle on ice was back several decades back when, when the United States was playing Russia in the, uh, the Olympics and for the gold medal in the Olympics. And, and they were facing Russia uh, and, and there was no way America was ever going to beat Russia. They, we were, had college players. They had professional season players. They smashed everybody they played. And so the coach had taken his college players and was trying to, you know, make a team out of them. And they, they, just, they just weren't getting it. They, they were not coming together. They were playing underneath their, their abilities. And so he just had them skating uh, sprints back and forth, and he was so disgusted with him, and finally he just screams out and yells, you don't play for the name on your back. You play for the name on your front. What's the name on your front? And they said, USA. He goes, that's right. Now get out there and play for them, not you. I was like, yes. that's the church right there. We don't live our lives of righteousness and separate ourselves from the world because we want to become somebody. No, because we want him to become great. And nothing but him. C.S. Lewis said it like this, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but it's just thinking of yourself less. I like that. The second aspect we see about a team is, a dream team is that they're fearless. Patrick did a great job of just sharing with that this morning. Appreciated that. But it said, verse 3, if anyone's trembling, if you're, fear, if you're fearful, then you, by all means leave. God wants to use people that are not fearful. What's fear? Fear is an emotion or a belief that something is going to happen to you that's going to cause you pain. So in other words, you cannot live a fearless life if you're worried about pain. In fact, you got to embrace pain. you got to welcome pain. You want pain because you know pain in the end is going to make you greater. That's why Paul wasn't scared to go to Rome and face, you know, an execution. Every, every disciple other than John faced an execution of some kind. They had come to this point where they had surrendered their life and they were not fearful of anything. And if God's going to use a people, he will use a people that have no fear. It was the last thing that David said to Goliath. He runs as a little child to this nine-foot giant. He runs and the last thing that Goliath ever hears out of someone's mouth before he gets killed by a rock to his head were the words of David. And when he said, the Lord, David is running at him and shouting, the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's. 
He was fearless. Why? Because he knew that every battle that we face is God's battle. It's not your battle. It's not the doctor's battle. It's not, it's not someone else's battle. It's, your, it's God's battle. God fights against the cancer. God fights against the financial stress. God fights against the relationship that's messed up. God comes and does your battle for you. You're fearless. You're just fearless. You're on team God. And fear subsides when you truly believe that God is fighting your battle. And let me just tell you this about fear. Fear is contagious. Everybody's worried about a virus. I'm worried about fear. I don't don't care about the virus. I I am concerned about fear. Because fear attacks your faith. And you don't, you don't need fear, you need faith. Faith over fear. Number three, we see that a, a dream team, they're, they're hungry. So 10,000 remained. He said, okay, y'all can go, 10,000 remained. 10,000 people, what were these guys like? They could have gone home. They could have been with their wives or children. They could have lived for another day. But no, they put their, willing to put their lives on the line and they're, they're, they're hungry. They're looking for a battle. They're wanting to engage. They don't want to go home. I want some action. That's what we need. We need the Dream Team Church to rise up and say, I put me in, coach. I'm ready for some action. Oh, God, use me, God. Here am I. Send me, as Isaiah said. God's dream team realizes that there's more to do, realizes that there's more responsibility to take on. God's dream team realizes that we have just a short amount of time here on this earth to do whatever God's put in our heart to do. He, they realize that we, they, they don't have to be pushed. They're self-motivated. They're diligent. They're constantly thinking of the next soul, the next outreach, the next life-changing opportunity, the next conversation they can have with someone that doesn't know God. They hate thinking that someone might perceive them as a slacker. They're all in. They go above and beyond what's required. They love excellence. They're hungry. They're hungry. They're hungry. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Are you hungry this morning, church? (laughs) Baby, if you're not hungry, you don't need to be on God's team. I mean, you need to be on God's team, but you're not ready. You you, got to be in a position of hunger. That's why we have 21 days of prayer. Come on, let's, sometimes you got to stir the hunger within you. You think you want to get up that early? You want to get dressed? You want to go what? No, who wants to do that? We love the bed. The bed's a wonderful thing. But hungry people get up. Number four, the dream team, you're smart. You're not dumb, you're smart. So verse six tells us in this passage of Judges, that he says, okay, now I want you to take these 10,000 men down to the river. No doubt they're, it's hot. No doubt they're thirsty. They've probably been doing calisthenics and working out and everything, and they're exhausted. They all, get, they all hit the river, and the Bible says that the majority of them were like, <laughs> sticking their head down in it. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were doing. But there were 300 they were doing this. And God said to Gideon, the ones that lap it up with their hand to their mouth, that's who you're going to use. It's really a sermon to us because God's team just have common sense that you are in an enemy territory. 
that there is an enemy out to destroy you and to kill you, that you are in a battle and that you can never take time off, no matter how thirsty you are, how, how, whatever, you can't take a break. You are always in the battle. You can never put your guard down. The enemy lies at the doorframe of your door waiting to come in and pounce upon you. You've got to be aware and have some common sense. Have you ever talked to somebody and they shared something going on in their life and you thought to yourself, what were you thinking? You got to be smarter than that. Team players are aware of their room dynamics. They understand what's going on around them. They, they, they're sensing, they're trying to get a beat on what's, what's going on in the, in the office space and in their, in their family and what in their son's life, their daughter's life and spouse's life. They're, 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 they're smart, they're engaged, they're, they're trying to understand. They, got, they have good judgment and they have this keen sense of what the kingdom of sh- should look like in their midst, wherever they're at. They're smart. Oh, that's the dream team. Number five, they just love one another. They just love one another. They feel responsible for each other. You know, as you, it's no, it's no question, you all understand, I, I love my little granddaughter. And so I took her swimming yesterday. We we're having a little date. And so I took my two-year-old to the swimming pool. And so we're sitting, so I'm, I'm getting her, and she's starting to walk towards the pool. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to put a little life jacket on. Hold on. Get a little life jacket, little floaties on her. She starts walking. Well, no, 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 no. We got to get some sunscreen on you, sweetheart. And she starts walking away. I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on. I got to get myself ready. Come on. I get myself ready. She's ready. I'm walking. I'm looking around. Where's the part of the pool where no one's at, where we can just kind of be, she's not hurt, and those balls flying around. Where can we go? And she's okay. Why? Because I love her. I'm looking out for her. When you're on the dream team, it's not about you. It's all about them. And you want them to succeed. You want them to be elevated. You want them to become great. That's what a dream team looks like. So why do I need to be on God's dream team? Why is that important? Well, let me just share this before we give you those few um, statements. Let me just share again with you the vision of Summit Church. If you don't know anything, when you walk through these doors, we're going to put some big, bold letters up on the wall soon. But you need to know that we're all about knowing God, growing in our faith, and making impact. That's our vision. Three things. Know, grow, impact. Can we just say that together? Know, grow, impact. Can we say them backwards? Impact, know, grow. Or grow and know. And so we, 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 our vision is to know God, grow in our faith, and make impact. So there's four ways we do that. This is part of the plan that we have of all of us growing in our faith. Weekend services, this, where we celebrate, we worship, we encourage one another. Journey class, which is right in that room right there after this service where you get to discover what your gifts and your passions are, and we get to walk with you and show you where that really fits in the scheme of God's kingdom. Small groups, number three, you'll see the tables on the way out. Different ways where you can get plugged into a small group and begin to know one another and to grow together. And lastly, all of the dream team opportunities, the serving opportunities here in the house, Oh, coffee, hospitality, welcome team, 
greeters, hosts, people, parking team, or outside, all the outreaches we have, oil changing and, and reaching the schools and, and, all the, and we have other outreaches here. That, that's a, called the dream team. And so we, we're recruiting you to take those four things seriously and understand if you will do those, I truly believe if you will do those four things, you will find yourself more in love with God next year than you are this year and more and, and more happier and fulfilled next year than you are this year? I'm telling you, it's an ingredient of growing in God. So why do I need God's dream team? Number one, you need to be on God's dream team because it gives you an opportunity to experience the blessings of God. Pastor Kemp did a great job this past Wednesday talking about the blessings of the Lord. In fact, Psalms 133, I love this passage of Scripture because, see, God wants to bless you. God wants to, my daughter texted me just yesterday and said, Dad, I don't think I told you this, but um, Brett, my husband and I, we, we decided to quadruple our giving to our local church up in Virginia Beach. And she said, we quadrupled our giving, and the very next week, which was last week, she said, my, the boss gave me a raise. See, this is what God wants to do. God wants to see, God wants you to put him first, and as you put him first, he takes care of you. And so, so a team gives me an opportunity to experience the blessings of God. We, Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. You know what that is? That's called a team. How good and pleasant it is when God's people are on a team. Because it's like the, uh, the, like the anointing of God flowing down uh, Aaron's head, down his beard, down his robe, down until, listen to this, the last verse of that, Psalms 130. For there... When you're on a team, for there, the Lord commands, King James Version, commands a blessing. In other words, he goes, hey, y'all, Peter, Gabriel, look there. See that? See that team? See that team right over there? Foley, Alabama. See that team? Yeah, we see it. Bless them right now. Bless them. Bless them. Bless everyone on that team. Free ice cream sandwiches from heaven right now. Come on. <laughs> give them give them, give right now, now. I'm telling you, God gets involved and goes, man, I'm going to bless this people because they've humbled themselves and put themselves on a team. They've become unified. They're, no one's doing their own gig. They're, they're all about me. God commands a blessing. Blessing, it means the Lord's favors upon you. God's protection comes upon you. God's mercy is upon you. God's benefits are upon you. Pastor Kim said something the other day. He goes, I found since I've just like, you know, walking with the Lord and connecting myself with God's people and become a tither and giver and all these things, he says, I found that my washing machine and my dryer never breaks. And my wife and I looked at each other and go, yeah, we, we found the same thing. It's amazing how far your car will go when you just come committed to the team. It's amazing how much miles you get out of your tires when you, when you just get on the team. I don't you think I'm kidding you. That's okay. Somebody here is going to try it. And when you join the team, you're going to find that there's benefits on the team. There's benefits called the blessings of God. And number two, it gives you an opportunity to display the image of God. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that's you. Come on, just actually, you're peculiar. You're a peculiar people. You you're not like everybody else. God separated you 
from the world. Why? To show forth the praises of him. In other words, to point people to God so they can come out of their darkness and into the light. And when people see the church or the team serving together, they see God. When people walk in, they see you loving each other and serving and giving and handing out love and shaking hands. And Man, they see God. Well, I'm, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's families even in this church right now who are in this church because you gave them a, a bag of ice. And they said, anyone's going to give me a bag of ice in my time of need, I'm going to check them out. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's a people that, 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 that display in the image of God. Number three, talking about the benefits of being on the team, it keeps you from getting lazy. Now, I know there's nobody in this room that's lazy. But there are a few people that are. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So is a brother born for adversity. The point is you're going to always produce more if you're on a team than if you were by yourself. You will always believe more if you're part of a team. You'll always try harder if you're on a team. You'll always push yourself if you're on a team. When you're in the gym, you're pushing the weights up and everything, and, and, and you're by yourself, you quit, you know, way too early. But when you see your friends and they're, they're, they're grunting, they're, ah! you're like, ah! you just want to do it because you're a part of something bigger than you. The disciples were discouraged. Thomas, part of the team, he's like, yeah, you know what? Forget the whole thing about Jesus. No, he's been resurrected. Nah, I don't believe it. No, you need to come, come. Some others have seen him. I don't believe it. I'll never believe it. Oh, I don't believe it. They kept bringing him, bring, get in the room with us. Get in the room with us. Come on, Thomas. And Thomas got in the room where they were, and Jesus showed up, walks through the wall, and goes, hey, Thomas, hey, hey, hey. What do you think? Hey. Thomas would have never enjoyed the experience of knowing the beautiful blessings of God had his teammates not pulled him out and said, you got to come. You need teammates to make you stronger. How about this? Just a thought about small groups. You are only as healthy as the relationships around you. You can tweet that if you want. You are only as healthy as the relationships around you. How about this thought? The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, but it was aloneness. He saw that Adam was alone. And he goes, now that's a problem. See, the enemy wants to isolate you, get you in your own little bubble, and in your own little life, in your own little world, and God's calling you out. And say, I want to plug you into a group of people that are hungering after God just as much or maybe even more than you. Because people have a need, and it's a need to be known. And that's why we have small groups. That's why you're going to grow. I promise you, there's 12 disciples, after they spent time together and around Jesus, they grew. And they, they weren't even recognizable as they were before. In fact, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the knew that they go, who are these people? How come they're so intelligent? How come they're so smart? Oh, they're, 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 they shouldn't be this smart intelligence, so amazing, doing miracles, what's going on? And they said, because they've, they spent time with Jesus. When you get together in a group and you spend time with Jesus, you just get sharp. And I don't know about you, but I like being sharp. 
Number four, teams give purpose. You, you, you perform to your highest level only when you believe you have purpose. I was watching the Olympics here recently as you were, and I was surprised to see so many, so many team sports things going on and Olympic records being shattered. Why? Because that's what happens. Teams give you purpose. A team allows you to live for something bigger. So I'm going to ask the band to come as we get ready to close. The worship team, if you would come. Number five, a team helps you experience holy moments. Unfortunately, some people will go their whole life and will have never been in a moment where they literally felt like God came down and kissed the earth and they were caught in the middle of the smack. But when you put yourself in settings with others that are hungering after God, you will be shocked and surprised at how you begin to have these moments where you experience God in a whole new way. It was the parable that Jesus said about the guy that lost the sheep and he went out and found the sheep. He came back, he left the 99, went and got the one, he came back and the Bible says he, once he found it, he called together all of his friends and he says, come on and rejoice with me. See, when, when, you, when you have friends, when you're in a group, when you're in a, in a, a, a group setting, what happens is, is you get to experience these moments together that you can only experience when God and you and others are there. Peter, James, and John with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. I remember many, many, many moments, prayer meetings and small groups and church camp experiences where God's presence came and, and fell upon us in a supernatural way. And I'm like, what is this? It was God coming and blessing us and magnifying himself in our midst. Holy moments. And lastly, a team makes a way for big things to happen. Big things happen when the team comes together. So there's a picture here on the screen of a mountain. You're probably familiar with this mountain. Majestic mountain, the tallest mountain in the world. 29,000 feet known as Mount Everest. And for hundreds of years, people have tried to climb it. In fact, from 1920 to 1953, there have been seven different expeditions to try to climb to the summit of the tallest mountain in the world. And all of them had failed. Finally, a guy got a team together from England, and he said, let's make another run at this thing. His name was Colonel John Hunt. And he put together this expedition. Here's what people don't know, that in order to get to two guys to the summit, it required two and a half tons of food and equipment and supplies. Two and a half tons. It, take, it took 300 people, men and women, carrying all that equipment and food and supplies all the way through the Himalayas for 180 miles, cross rivers, through valleys, cross small little bridges. It took them a long time before they finally got to the base of the mountain, 
100 people, 180 miles. They got to the base of the mountain. They picked out 40 what they called porters. And these porters put some of that supplies, more of that supplies, and they went and they climbed above the base camp and made another camp. And then they picked 13 more porters and they put more supplies, 30 pounds each on their backs and began to climb even higher until finally they had gotten to the place where they were almost to the top and there was only four guys left that could make the attempt to get to the top. It was in May of 1953. And the first two guys, John Childress and his, and his friend, Charles Evans, tried, excuse me, Troy Childress and his friend, um, Charles Evans, made the attempt and came back. They couldn't do it. And they left it up to two other guys, Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary. And they made the last attempt. And these two guys, Edmund on my left, Norgay on my right, finally made it to the top top of the world. But no one knows anything about the 300 and the 40 and the 13 and all the sweat and tears that helped them get to where they were at. But Edmund knows and Norgay knows that they wouldn't be there had it not been for those that had got them there. So as the challenge, as the challenge escalates, the need for a team escalates. In order for Summit Church to make the impact that God has called Summit Church to make, it will require a great team. And we're asking you not to attend, but to be a player. In fact, years ago, I preached a sermon series called A Player, Not a Fan. Not a fan, but a player. Everybody likes to go to the ball games and likes to sit on the couch and say what that guy's not doing and what she's not doing and what they should do next. But you put on a pair of pads. You get out on a gridiron. You get knocked on your back a couple times to see what you think. Everybody needs to be a player. Quit talking unless you play. Be a player. Get in the game. Don't be a sideline guy. Don't be a sideline woman. There is a place for you. God needs you. You you need to hear this. God needs you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God needs you. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, I'm not going to be a fan anymore. I'm going to be a player. I'm not going to be a fan. I'm going to be a player. So pastor, what do, you, what, do you want, what do I need to do? You need to do three things. Keep coming, well, four things. You need to keep coming. Number, number two, you need to join the journey class, get in so you can find your spot. Number three, you need to get involved in a small group. And number four, you need to get on a dream team and make your life count for something. And together, I promise you, we're going to shake this region and we're going to make some noise. We're going to make some noise.
Yeah. Just like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. This morning, in this crowd this size, no doubt somebody here does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today I come to you and I ask you, will you make Jesus your Lord? Will you make him your Savior? Will you turn your life over to him? Will you surrender your life? Because he needs you. And he wants to be your God. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Say, Pastor, right here, right now, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want him to come into my heart. I'm gonna make a turn. I'm turning my life around today. I'm gonna start right now just with a prayer that I'm gonna pray for you. Right here, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand, come on, all over the room. I want Jesus. I wanna make him the Lord of my life. Making him to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Being my God, being my Savior, being my friend. Could have our prayer teams come and stand up to the front. If you prayed that prayer, we in your heart you want to pray that prayer and just didn't feel like, man, I had it in me. We want you to come up before you leave as we dismiss. We want you to just say, man, I, I just want you to pray for me. I want to know Jesus. Maybe you have some other needs in your life that you want to pray about. Some friends, some family, whatever. This is what we're here for. We love these moments. We can just pray with you, talk with you, walk with you. That's what it's all about. And so, finally, I believe we got some team players in the house. And so, if you're if you're a team player, you want to be a team player. Raise your hand. Come on, I want to be a team player. I want to be a team player. I want to get on the team. Come on, I want to get on the team. And right there where you're at. Come on, I'm going to say a prayer for you. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you are putting us on a team. We thank you that you've called us. We thank you, Lord God, that we have come from all around. And Lord, we're right here at the right time, at the right spot with the right people. And we pray, Lord God, that you will cause our hearts to be turned and we will put our feet to the fire and we will say, count me in, coach. I'm on the team. I'm willing to be used. Here am I, Lord God. Send me. I'm here in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Come and we stand to our feet and give God some praise this morning.